Amen. Let's get our Bibles out tonight. Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. <clears throat> We've had some good rain. I'm thankful for that, but that has brought me a lot of allergies this last week. And my eyes swelled shut today. I'm see- everything's a little blurry, and then I can't even, I'm stuttering all over the place, can barely talk. So hopefully I'll get past this. Uh, but Genesis chapter 17. And uh, two weeks ago was the last we were in the life of Abram, and uh, we saw Abram and Sarah taking things into their own hands, and we saw the decision that came, we saw the results of the decision, and it was a mess, and uh, we saw different reactions to the problem that was there, we saw denial, and we saw anger, we saw uh, one wanting to, to run away from the problem, and we know those three things are not ways to handle sin, not ways to handle issues, and, and God used that situation to bring good about and God still blessed and God still uh, allowed them all to dwell together as they did and uh, we're going to see more blessings from that but around 14 years have passed uh, from chapter 16 to chapter 17 and from this this problem um, Ishmael is no doubt uh, a young teenager at this point and uh, but it's been 14 years since Abram has heard anything from God that we have recorded in scripture let's stand together And I'll look here at chapter 17, begin reading here in verse 1. It says, When Abram was ninety years old and nine, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee. And thou shalt, make, thou shalt be a father of many nations. And neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, and their generations for an everlasting covenant, to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore thou and thy seed after thee in the generations. This is my covenant which ye shall keep between me and you, thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. And he shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. And he that is eight days old shall be circumcised among you, every man-child in your generations, he that is born in the house, or bought with money of any stranger which is not of thy seed. He that is born in thy house, and he that is bought with thy money, must needs be circumcised, and my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised man-child, whose flesh of his foreskin is not circumcised, that soul shall be cut off from his people, he hath broken my covenant." God said unto Abraham, As for Sarah thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her, and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her, and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of, shall be of her. And we'll stop reading right there. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege that it is to be in church together tonight and be in your word. And God, I thank you that, uh, Lord, we have your inspired word. And Lord, as we're looking at Exactly what you have for us tonight. God, I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to the truths we find in it as we apply it. 
And Lord, I pray that as we look at the story of Abraham, God, that you would, uh, would strengthen our faith and our dependence in you. Lord, be with me as I preach. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Like I said a few moments ago, 14 years have passed since God spoke to Abram. And it wasn't since his disobedience in the matter of Hagar had Abraham heard the voice of God. And the times of silence from God are very devastating when they come our way, aren't they? We need to learn that our disobedience often will bring God silence. You know, the Bible tells us, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Our prayer life will be hindered. If we continue to sin against God and, and do things against the Spirit of God, the Bible says the Spirit of God can be quenched. It can be uh, calmed down, the effect of it in our life, and He will not work in us or through us or speak to us as He normally would. And, and Abram was in one of those situations, I believe, where as he went against God, God helped him and God brought him through that situation, but God hasn't done a whole lot in terms of His promise for the last 14 years of his life. God speaks again to Abram here, and when he does, it's to reveal even more details of his covenant with Abram and the promise that we've already been reminded of several times in his life. And we have this opportunity here to learn more of the faithfulness and work of God in the lives of his people. And as we look here, first of all, in the beginning of this chapter, we see a new revelation. And we look there in verse 1, and we find a reminder from God of who he is. He says there, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. For the first time in scripture, God reveals himself to Abram as the almighty God. And that name is from the Hebrew name El Shaddai. It means nourisher, strengthener, satisfier. We also look at that name and we understand that it's the all-sufficient one. And there's a little extra meaning in that name because the word Shaddai comes from the Hebrew word that they would also use for breast. And just as a baby would receive strength or nourishment from its mother, the children of God receive all they need from El Shaddai, from the Almighty God. He is our nourisher. Everything that we have need of, he has. And that's a reminder for us as we look at that, that name tonight, he must be our sufficiency. Everything you need, everything I need can come from God, and, and God has the strength, God has the wisdom, God has the help that we need every situation of life. So this last week, this, this last month of your life, where has your sufficiency been? You know, God, God reveals this name of himself to Abram, and then he says, he, he says, I'm all you need, I'm the all-sufficient one, I'm your nourisher, walk before me and be thou perfect. The almighty God demanded that Abram walk before him in perfection. Demanded that Abram live differently. That he walks as God would have him to walk. That he does what God would have him to do. Now turn to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. There's a command there in the life of Abram to walk in righteousness and holiness before God. We look there in 1 Peter chapter 1, a very familiar passage of Scripture to us in verse 15. It says, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. In everything you do, not just the things you say, but in the things that you do, the way that you walk, the acts that come from you, be holy. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. So there's a command there, just as there was to Abram, to walk in perfection or in 
holiness. But as we're still there in 1 Peter chapter 1, look what it says there in verse 13. We are given through the all-sufficient God the details, the instructions needed to walk righteously for God. It says there in verse 13, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance. So if we are striving to be holy, as we are commanded there in verse 15 and 16, if Abram was to walk before God in, in perfection or righteousness, it says there in verse 13 of 1 Peter chapter 1 that we must gird up our minds with a conscious act of our will. So our thoughts are pure and our thoughts are focused on what is good and what is right. And I want to tell you, walking righteously starts in your mind. There's a decision that must be made. There's a thing that it must be protected and we must seek God's help in that situation. But we must make a decision every day to choose God over self. To choose the spirit, living in the spirit over living in the flesh. It's a state of mind. A holy mind is sober. It says self-controlled, not given to wrong thinking, not given to wrong speaking, not given to wicked outbursts. We must protect the mind so when difficulties come, when temptations come, when trials come, when someone like our enemy, as they spoke out Sunday morning, does something we don't like, our reaction is one of walking righteously before God, not one of acting in the flesh. A holy mind is one that focuses on the things of God and doesn't allow wrong thoughts or evil attitudes to linger or to grow. You know, so God's speaking to Abram here, and he's, he's basically saying, Abram, you know, look back 14 years and 20 years, and there's been some good moments, but we've also made some bad decisions here. Some bad decisions have been made in the past, and what I want to tell you right now, walk before me. I am all you need. Walk as I have you to walk. That's the same thing God and, and desires and intends for us to do tonight. And as we continue on there in verse, verse 2, there's another reminder of God's promise. It says, Abram, I'm all you need. I'm your sufficiency. And this is what I said I was going to do, and this is what I will do for you. And he says, I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thee exceedingly. God's basically telling him, Abram, I've made you a promise. I will keep it. I'm going to make of you a great nation. I'm going to bless you. And remember what I told you. I will do as I said. And, and we have a God that was reminding Abram that he keeps his promises. And as we're sitting in the Peter 9 and we're looking at our Bible, holding it in our hand, we can look throughout every page of Scripture and we will never find that God did not keep a promise. That, that God and what he said did not mean what he said. That God and what he said did not follow through in what he said. And this reminder of God's promise caused Abram, what does it say there in verse 3? To go to worship. It says, and Abram fell on his face. A reminder of the promises of God, a better awareness of El Shaddai being all that he needs, maybe a greater awareness of the faults that he'd made in his life, caused Abram to fall at his feet in worship. We have no record of anything God has spoken to him in, for the last... 14 years or so. And now God comes back to him and makes sure that Abram knows that promise still stands, that he still loves him, 
that he still is everything that he needs and he needs to walk righteously before him. And could you imagine being in Abram's shoes, maybe every day looking at your reminder of your mistake and Ishmael and Hagar, maybe every day thinking of, of maybe if you wouldn't have the child that God wanted you to have sooner, if you didn't make the mistakes that you made. Not hearing from him for so long, and, then, and now God has come back to him, and everything is just as he said it would be, and he's humbled. He's grateful. He's convicted because of his failures. And this promise that God is reminding him is still there. He doesn't deserve. As we put ourselves in Abram's shoes tonight, think about God's promises to you. Think about the work that God has done in your life, the work that God is doing in your life. Do God's promises, do the truths we find in the, in the word of God, bring you to that same mindset? If we're truly aware of it, and if we truly understand that everything we have in God is better than we deserve, it would also bring us to a point of worship. It should bring us to our knees. It should bring us to a place where we are fully submitted to him, willing to do whatever it is he wants us to do. But we recognize who we are as we recognize who he is. I love the beginning here as he continues there in verse 4. He reminded him of his covenant, Abram's worshiping him. And, and God says, as for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. That as for me indicates again this covenant is one-sided. God is blessing Abram because he wants to bless Abram. This, this covenant is a good one because it depends on God and it doesn't depend on man. And I want to remind you tonight, the first blessing, the first covenant we have with God is in our salvation. And that doesn't depend on us, does it? Because if it did, we wouldn't have it. We wouldn't be able to attain it. We wouldn't be able to keep it. We have a God who told us if we... Uh, come to him and in salvation if we put our faith and trust in him, if we believe in him and what he did, and it's not of works, it's by his grace. If we are truly saved, it is all because of God and not because of us. The sealing of the Holy Spirit in your life didn't depend on you either. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit that you have, you are sealed from that moment of salvation. He dwells within you. Is there to help you and guide you and strengthen you. What a reminder that was. Then, then, then we find a reminder of Abram's purpose there in verse 5 where it says, Neither shall thy name be any more called Abram, but thy name shall be called Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made you. Abram receives the name change. And I'm glad that I don't have to worry about saying Abram instead of Abraham for the rest of the series here. His name is changed from Abram, meaning exalted father, that's a good name, to Abraham, which means father of a multitude. So he had the blessings of God, but now God is in this name change is saying, hey, it's more than just one, more than just a few, it's going to be many. And the reason for this change lies in the fact that God was going to make Abraham the father of a numberless multitude. You can imagine being Abraham, Abraham here in this moment. As God is telling him that, he looks around and nothing's any different. I said, maybe he thought, I've heard this before. Abraham didn't see the evidence of it at that point besides God reminding him of those things and trusting God. But from God's perspective, it's a done deal. Look, look what he says there. 
Have I made thee? I've already done it. It's already done. It's already settled. So even though Abraham couldn't see what God was going to do, God had already completed his plan through Abraham. I want to remind you tonight, life most of the time is not like we think it is. As you look at your life, as you look at your relationship with God, often all we see are the obstacles, all we see is the trials, all we see are the temptations, all the difficulties that we may face in life, and God sees us in the present as we see ourselves, but God, as he looks at us, not only sees your present at at this moment, but he sees your future. The promises that he's made to you, he knows one day he he can already see you there in heaven with him if you're saved. He sees the miracles he's going to work in your life, the things that he will bring, the blessings that you will inherit from him. The essence of faith is merely walking in the present, holding in your hands the things that God has placed in your future. The Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 11, now faith is the substance of what? Things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. True faith is trusting that God will do what he said he'd do. True faith is even when it it may not feel like anything good is going for you at the moment or you may not understand how life can get any better, trusting that God will work all things out for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose. Understanding that difficult situation is just temporary and one day you will be in heaven with him. Everything that he's promised will come to pass. And whatever you're dealing with tonight, trust that God will work it out for you good. Maybe a doubt in the future. Wondering how this is going to come to pass when I, when I hope it will or when I think God would have it. You may doubt that it's going to happen. Just trust God today. You know, I look at our, our life and our family the last few years. It was Almost two and a half years ago at this point that we decided to, that we knew the Lord had us to begin praying for the pastorate. And I thought it would happen right away. It was a fe- early February and, and I went and talked with my pastor after Wednesday night service and, and I had his blessing there. And I thought, you know, something's going to pop up. I'll be a pastor in a couple months. That was kind of my, my thoughts and intentions there. And I began to be a little burdened over that. I struggled there in the moment where I was because I, I thought God had better things for me or that I was wasting time where I was, not doing what it is I knew that God wanted me to do. And after several months, I started to realize I, I need to stop worrying about the future. I need to trust God in the moment. And I, that Southwest Baptist, this is the only church I came to. I had, I had many others that I talked to, many good interviews, many other discussions. I almost scheduled a couple more, but every time the Lord wasn't in it, we, we would uh, dec- you know, thank, thankfully decline and, and, and close the door on that situation, knowing that God had something else for us. As we look at our church at this moment, there's a lot of, a lot of things that we, we want to see God do here. And we, we may want results right now. We may want uh, to, to fill these pews right now, but we need to trust God today. In his timing to do what we know we're supposed to do right now. And as God leads, as God opens doors, we need to obey him in those times. But we need to trust God that he will do what he's going to do in the future. I know God's going to do something great here. But until then and, and every day in between, be faithful today. Be faithful tomorrow. Stay in your Bible. Read, pray, uh, do what it is God would have you to do in this moment. Don't wait on, the, on greater things in the future. Serve God where you are now. Abram needed to just live by faith. 
We see God's promise and the reminder of it. And then we see this wonderful guarantee as he continues there in verse 6. He says, And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations out of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. God promises Abraham children, many descendants, and royalty. Not just a father of many nations, but a father of a great nation, the greatest nation. God promised him things that at that moment in his life he couldn't even imagine, but those blessings were right before him. He just needed to trust God. Maybe there's somebody here tonight where you kind of can relate to that. You may look at where you were without Christ and where you are now. You may look back at a moment of devastation and see you now. Think of where he found you and what he's done in your life and where you are headed. And sometimes, just like Abraham, it might sound too good to be true. But the longer we walk with Jesus, the longer we trust him every step of the way, the sweeter his promises should come to us. And and he's told us he will make us fruitful for his glory if we abide in him. What, What did Jesus say in John chapter 15? I am the vine. Ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same, that man, bringeth forth much fruit. And then we're reminded of that truth again right after that. For without me, ye can do nothing. Without El Shaddai, without our sustainer, without our supplier, we can do nothing. And Abraham was realizing at this moment, without God, these things aren't going to come to pass. But because of him, they will. So I need to walk righteously I need to trust him God was going to bring much fruit to Abram and God was going to continue to be with his descendants not just him the blessings would continue he says in verse 7 and I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant verse 8 and I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land Wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. The land that you're in right now that I said is yours, and it's yours, but you don't feel like it is, it's going to be theirs. They won't be the strangers. They won't be the pilgrim like you after a while. It will be theirs. I will bless them. You know, God not only promised to bless Abraham, but his children and all all the generations to follow were going to be blessed as well. And that covenant is as good as the name of God and will continue as long as God would endure, which is forever. It's everlasting. We have a faithful God. And I praise him tonight that we can count on his faithfulness. What do we find in the book of Lamentations where it says his mercies are new every morning. His compassions fail not. Great is thy faithfulness. That is our God. And when, any, when other people in your life may have forsaken you or given up on you or hurt you, failed you, God never has. He never has. He's faithful. Praise him tonight that he's faithful and true. He won't go back on his promises. He will not fail us. You know what's amazing about that promise is that so many times we will fall short. We will fail him. But he will never fail us. He is faithful. You know, God promised to be a personal God to the seed of Abraham. It's a blessing tonight to serve a God that desires a personal relationship with you individually. 
I praise him tonight that my walk doesn't hinge on what other people do. Your walk doesn't hinge on what the person next to you does. Your relationship with God doesn't change based on another Christian's actions. It's personal. It's everlasting. Your relationship with him doesn't depend on mine. It doesn't depend on your friend, your spouse's. It's yours. And that's a, a, we need to be accountable to that fact and understand we must make that decision every day. But it's a personal relationship we have and a personal one he guaranteed to be with every single one that followed, followed Abraham. You know, God, we, sometimes we look at these things and we may look at this covenant and kind of compare it to a contract. But God didn't establish a contract with Israel. God didn't establish a contract with the church. He created a covenant. And there's a difference. You know, contracts are broken when one of the parties fails to keep his promise. You know, if, if, we, if a patient failed to keep an appointment with a doctor, the doctor is not obligated to call that person and, and find out where they are. And tell them they missed their appointment. He would simply go on to the next patient and maybe have the secretary mark that name off. We won't have that person here anymore. The patient will find it's harder to, the next time to see the doctor when they want to. They broke this informal contract but a covenant is more like the ties of a parent to their child or a, a mother to, to, to their child we look in Isaiah chapter 49 it says can a woman forget her sucking child that she should not have compassion on the son of her womb yea they may forget yet will I not forget thee if a child failed to show up for dinner that that child I hope, would not be dead to the parent. <laughs> that relationship's still there, isn't it? They, they miss dinner, you're worried about them, you would want to find out where they are. And unlike the doctor's decision, that, that relationship would not be canceled. That parent would go and they would find out where the child is and make sure their child was cared for. You know, one Christian's failure does, does not destroy their relationship. God is still their God. That he's still their heavenly father. He's still their El Shaddai. He's still the one that they need. And he puts no conditions on being a faithful God. It's an unconditional commitment to, to love his children. God was unconditionally devoted to Abraham and his children. And that's what God did for Abraham. And that's how God looks at us. He will never leave us nor forsake us. That relationship, no matter what will happen in your life, will remain intact. If you are saved, you are saved forever. That will not change. That will not go away. Now, the fellowship may change. The blessings may change. But that relationship will continue to stay there. And God's promise, as he, as he brought these things to Abraham, continued uh, to go to Sarah as well. And he says there in, in verse 15 that, that her name was going to be changed as well. From Sarai, meaning my princess, to Sarah, that just means princess. She is royalty. She is the mother of many nations. She's going to have a child. And, and as this is said to Abraham, they, many years have gone from originally when they were too old to begin with. And now we look at all these years that have, that have gone past and we look there in verse 17. It says, then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is an hundred years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? He laughs. 
And as I look at this, I have, I have no belief that it was a laugh of doubt. It was a laugh of joy of what God was going to do in his life. We thought this was wild to begin with. And now, at 100 years old and at 90 years old, he's still going to do exactly what he said he'd do. How exciting would that have been to be thinking about the power of God and how he was going to be able to do that in their lives. And then, and then he goes on there. He not, only, he not only asked God to help him in, in that situation, but then he asked for God's blessings on his son Ishmael. And that prayer was answered by the Lord. Ishmael had nothing to do with God's chosen people. But God's still blessed, and God still heard that prayer. What a reminder of that God cares for even the things that in, in his great plan don't mean as much to him or don't have as much to do, to do with it. Now, God used Ishmael, and we, we see throughout Bible history, it's, he's in much prophecy, and he's in the world, his descendants are in the world today. We know all that God is doing through it. But in the original plan, in the original promise, Ishmael was not part of that. God cares about the little things in your life. I'm thankful for that. So as we look at this promise, as we look at everything that happened in Abram and Sarah, just like that, everything was different again for Abraham. Go back just a couple hours from this point. When he woke up, when he woke up that morning, it had been years since God spoke to him. Since God worked in his life, and just like that, God came to him and changed everything. He went from hopelessness or a dull moment in life, now thrilled by the possibilities. And when it comes to your life, when it comes to my life, when it comes to the life of a a wayward child or a, a person you used to serve in church with, no case is hopeless. You may look at health issues or financial trouble or maybe just a struggle to have the joy of God in your life or a struggle in your mind, whatever it may be. Your future is as bright as God decides it could be. And it's also as bright as the size of your faith and your dependence in him, your obedience in him. And I want to encourage you tonight, involve God in the situations of your life. Every situation of your life, just like Abram asked God to, to work in Ishmael's other son, God did. When we involve God in the situations of our life, the impossible things, the difficult things, become possible. Remember the God that we, that we serve today holds today and tomorrow in his hands, and he is greater than today, he's greater than tomorrow, he's greater than any fear we could ever have. God had blessings for Abraham. But as we look at this chapter, the blessings were not without a cost. We read there in verse, verse 9 through 14 in particular about a new requirement. This, this covenant that God had with, with Abraham. And here we read that Abraham and all his descendants were required to be circumcised. And this was a requirement that God had for them where they, they were to identify as followers of the Lord by a mark in their bodies. And it was a statement that that person was a part of the Abrahamic covenant and the promises of God are his. And to deny that would be for them to decline God, to decline his promises, to decline whatever, everything that he had for them and wanted to do for them. They would be without his help. 
You know, Abram, or Abraham, excuse me, had been without God and he'd been with God. And as God speaks to him and he says, if you do this, this will happen. What do you think Abraham chose? We know what he chose. Whether anyone else knew of it or not, the person circumcised and God knew about it. It was a covenant, it was an agreement, it was somewhat of a stipulation on God's blessings for them. We understand tonight that this is no longer a requirement to be under the blessings of God, but the New Testament in the book of Romans speaks of a circumcision of the heart. And Paul was writing to the church of Rome, there was much confusion of this, I don't want to get ahead of us because we'll be there in, in just several weeks on our Sunday night series, but he says, therefore, if the uncircumcision keep the righteousness of the law, shall not his uncircumcision be counted for circumcision? And shall not uncircumcision, which is by nature, if it fulfill the law, judge thee who by the letter and circumcision does transgress the law? For he is not a Jew, which is one outwardly, neither is that circumcision, which is outward in the flesh. But he is a Jew, which is one inwardly, and circumcision is that of the heart and the spirit, and not in the letter, whose praise is not of men, but of God. So we understand as a Christian, there must be a decision to come to Christ and to realize we are not righteous of ourselves. But, but once we choose him, once we put our faith and trust in him for salvation, there needs to be a separation from the identification with the world. A Christian is one that needs to be set apart or or separated from the sins. And as, as years went by, the, the Jew felt that God would accept them just because they'd been circumcised. They were just looking to the law and, and looking to all these things. And the rabbis even taught that Abraham sat outside the gate of hell and refused to allow any uncircumcised to enter heaven. But here Paul is telling the early Christians that even if they did follow the covenant with God, when they refused to obey God's word and God's sight, they were just as the heathen. And Paul is telling them that what they do outwardly proves who they are inwardly. When, there, when there's genuine salvation, there should be holy living in the flesh. You know, Jesus in the book of Matthew, he said, Even so every good tree bringeth forth good fruit, but a corrupt tree bringeth forth evil fruit. A good tree cannot bring forth evil fruit, neither can a corrupt tree bring forth good fruit. Every tree that bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire, whereby by their fruits ye shall know them. I could have gone to H-E-B a little bit ago and gone to the produce section and grabbed some fruit for us tonight and, and given you a test. And if I held an apple in my hand and asked somebody to tell me what tree that came from, I, I would hope everybody could tell me that, correct? An orange comes from an orange tree. Grapefruit, grapefruit tree. That's, that's a thing, right? Yeah. By the fruit, we understand what kind of tree it is. Now this covenant that Abram and the children and, and his descendants were going to have with God was supposed to mean something for them. And by their separation, by the, this mark that made them different, they continue to have, they continue to be under the blessings of God and living as God wanted them to live. And as we look at our lives tonight, as we have been saved by grace, as we have God, the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, there should be different fruit coming from us. There should be a separation in our life and a desire to live by the Spirit of God that brings a change and brings something different than it does for the things of the world. 
A religious person can, can try to follow the Bible all they want, but they will not succeed forever. When that life is ended, if they are without Christ, they will die and go to hell. No matter how much good they may try to do, they will die without Christ. But a saved person who wasn't very religious but had faith in Jesus will experience the glories of heaven. And we look there in Romans, and that verse we read there, Paul's final argument against this religious man was to inform him that true religion is not a matter of the hands, the feet, not a matter of their eyes, not a matter of their head, the lips. It was a matter of the heart. And as, as we look at this tonight and as we look at a desire to have God's blessings on us, we know we're saved. We know one day we'll be in heaven forever with him. But have we made changes necessary in our life to continue to have his blessings? Or are we allowing sin and the likeness of the world to hinder that? God had great things for Abraham. But he expected him to be different. Yeah, I'm, th I'm thankful that God kept his promise after 14 years of silence. He reminded him that he, it was the same, he was the same, that he still loved him. You know, someone once said, a man apt to promise is apt to forget. But our promise isn't coming from a man. It's coming from El Shaddai. And there is no place like his blessings. He, he wants you to be devoted. He wants you abiding in him. He wants you separated from the things of this world. I'm thankful tonight that our God is interested in us. He wants to bless you. He wants you to live for him. You know, maybe, maybe tonight some of us are here and and just like Abraham woke up on this morning, he felt far from God, he felt separated. Just like Abraham found out, if, that, if that's like you, God's promise is still there. Salvation hasn't changed. We just need to walk righteously with him. We have a God who keeps his promises. But in order to get all his blessings, we must be determined to walk with him. Let's pray. Lord, we love you.